0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of Greater Christ Temple in Lima, Ohio. We pray you enjoy today's message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody just put it in the atmosphere. Hallelujah. 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 What a mighty God we serve. Does anybody serve a mighty God this morning? Am I in the right place? Do you serve a mighty God, one that can do anything? There's nothing. There's nothing that's impossible. There's nothing that's too hard for our God. Jeremiah chapter 31, while you're standing, we certainly give honor to the spirit of the Lord that we feel in this place. Just the excitement to be in the house of the Lord. Like my father said, put up a finger and just say one more time. He did not have to bring us here one more time. But here we are in the land of the living, clothed and in our right minds. And that's a reason right there to rejoice. We give honor to everyone that is here, all of our ministers, evangelists, deacons, everybody, elders, to everybody. We just say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who's happy just to be here this morning? amen amen i'm glad to be here i'm glad to be in the service i'm glad to be in the service i'm glad to be in the service 1 more time i just felt that he didn't have to let me live he didn't have to let me live but i'm glad to be in the service 1 more time let's just do that again i'm glad i'm glad to be in the service i'm glad to be in the service I'm glad to be in the service one more time. Didn't have to let me live. Didn't have to let me live. But I'm glad to be in the service one more time. But I didn't just come for no reason. I came to praise the Lord. I came to praise the Lord. I came to praise the Lord Lord one more time. Didn't have to let me live. Didn't have to let me live, but I came to praise the Lord. One more time. Let's sing it one more time. I'm glad. I'm glad to be in the service. I'm glad to be in the service. I'm glad to be in the service. service. One more time. Didn't have to let me live. Didn't have to let me live. But I'm glad to be in the service one more time. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes you just have to encourage yourself about the fact that you are here in the house of God. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. Give honor to. Everyone that is here, to my beautiful wife, First Lady Kalia Cooper, keep her in your prayers. Not feeling the greatest today, but she is here. She is here in Jesus' name. We honor my mother, Elect Lady Toby Cooper. Let's say amen for her. Amen. Amen. Looks like she did a superwoman change. That's not what she came on and had on when she got here this morning. <laughs> but I'm certainly happy to see her. I'm a little heavy in my spirit this morning, and I, I do need your prayers. It is uh, today marks an entire year, one year. Um, a year ago today at this moment, I was about about to get a phone call from my father saying that he needed him some help he was on the floor had been on the floor all night and would not let my mother or he he would not let her call me and tell me that he was on the floor he had fallen his legs were weak and he just laid there and I started yelling at it said Dad, why would you just lay there why wouldn't you tell me I'm on my way I'm on my way he said I'm okay just relax everything's fine I just need to get my strength and so My heart's heavy, just really thinking about that. But how many are going to be praying for me this morning? The devil would love nothing more than to allow sadness to overtake me where I can't bring the word. But how many know the devil is a liar? He's a liar. And I'm going to preach this thing, devil, so you better come stronger than that. Hallelujah. But I do honor the spirit of my father and just thinking about him and, and where we were. Just, again, just doesn't seem like it's been a whole year. January 21st will never feel the same for me, but I know God as a keeper. Jeremiah 31 verse 11, if you have it, I am reading from the New King James Version uh, this week, Jeremiah 31:11. It says, "For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than He. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion." streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil for the young of the flock and the herd. These are things that they'll be rejoicing for. Their souls shall be like a well watered garden and they shall sorrow no more at all. They shall sorrow no more at all. Verse 13, then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old together for I will turn their mourning to joy, will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. Verse 14, I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied, somebody shall satisfied, with my goodness, says the Lord. It's in verse 13 that we're, I'd like to focus your attention for the next few moments Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning to joy. I will turn their mourning to joy. Somebody help me preach and just shout the turn. The turn, the turn, the turn, the turn. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for everything that has already transpired. Lord, we thank you for everything that you will allow to happen. Lord, speak through me. Lord, send your anointing that makes preaching easy. God, allow your words to fall on good grounds within our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. This is my prayer in Jesus' name that everyone say amen. amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. The turn How many of you just are in need of a turn in some way, some situation in your life? Like you're you're in need of a turn. Hallelujah. One of my favorite movies of all time is a 2006 movie by Christopher Nolan. Anyone ever seen or heard of Christopher Nolan? He's produced some very uh, well-known films in our generation. The movie in 2006 that I'm referencing is called The Prestige. Has anyone ever seen the movie or heard the movie called The Prestige? Well, this movie is one of my favorite movies, and I don't consider myself, I don't watch a lot of movies, but this is one I actually watched with my father years and years ago when it first came out. But the movie is about two magicians in 19th century England, and these two mag- magicians were competing against one another for the heart of the city. They wanted to, They were competing to see who can be the number one magician here in London. And in one of the lines of that movie, I've never forgotten it. It was very profound. It was stated by Michael Caine, uh, who was an actor. And, he, and in the movie, he's a manager of one of the magicians. And he looks and says to his magician, he says, listen, every magic trick consists of three parts or acts. The first part is called the pledge. Uh, the magician shows you something ordinary. The second act is called the turn. The magician takes the ordinary something that he showed you in the pledge and he makes it into something extraordinary. But you wouldn't, he, say, he goes on to say, but you wouldn't clap yet because making something disappear isn't enough. You have to bring it back. Right. He says you have to bring it back. And so. uh uh he he, he says because you're looking for the secret think about if you've ever seen a magic trick or someone's ever done a trick right they they make something disappear and they turn it into something different and you're thinking like wait a second what happened to the original thing how how did that happen and Michael Caine's character says now you're looking for the secret but you won't find it because of course you're not really looking you don't really want to work it out but you want to be fooled right? We're we're, uh, blown away by the trick we just saw, and it's so captivating, and uh, we actually, we don't want to find out what actually happened. We're kind of just happy, like, oh, wow, that was good. You got me there. You want to be fooled. Uh, You see, he said there's the pledge, there's the turn, and then there is the comeback, and I want to focus here for the next few moments on what Michael Caine considers to be the second act or the turn. Everybody say the turn, The magician takes the ordinary something and he makes it into something extraordinary. And this is what I'm talking about here. It's not about the concept of magic. I don't condone magic and and, uh, the the kind of witchcraft and sorcery that often comes from uh, simple sleight of hand tricks or magic tricks. I'm not here to talk about that, but stay with me. But I'm here to talk about the turn. You see, Cain describes it as taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. You see, a turn indicates that there's about to be a change in course. When you think of the word turn, you may think of a car that begins to move in another direction. Uh, You may think of things such as a turn lane. You may think of things such as a turn signal, but no matter what comes to mind when you think of a turn, the fact is that you are thinking about something that is about to change course. Uh, And I don't know about you, but in life, there have been, in my life specifically, there have been many course changes. There's been all kinds of turns, turns rather. You could be feeling on the mountaintop one day and then quickly something turns. Uh, now you find yourself in the valley. You may be doing well in your walk with God one day and spiritually feeling strong, and then the next moment something turns, and now you find yourself spiritually in a ditch. Am I talking to anybody else this morning? Uh, The turns of life will come. Life is full of ups and downs, and it is full of turns. Sometimes a turn is necessary, not always because you're on a wrong path. Sometimes, yes, do you need to turn at times because the path you're on is wrong? Absolutely, but every turn that comes in life is not necessarily because you're on the wrong path, but sometimes a turn is necessary because oftentimes there's a better route available. Uh Uh-huh, sometimes I'm driving with my GPS on. I was talking to uh, Brother Mike and Sister Leslie yesterday. No matter where I go, just about, I'm going to turn on my GPS. I could have traveled there a thousand times and know how to get there with my eyes closed, but there's something about the GPS that just makes me comfortable. I, I think I described it last night when I was telling them. I said the GPS is like my safe place because I just feel comfortable knowing that every turn is mapped out and where I need to go is right there for me. But there's another reason. Why I enjoy it, I enjoy the GPS because I like the convenience of the traffic updates Uh, on on Google Maps, which is what I prefer to use, even though I've got an iPhone, I don't like the iPhone Maps, I like Google Maps, and Google Maps updates me and says, hey, there's a new, better route available. Uh Uh-huh. And I love that they give me updates on uh, those kind of things. But but I love the fact that I can be traveling in the same direction that feels comfortable, that I feel like I know where I'm going. I feel good here. But I don't always know what's ahead. You see, the GPS can let me know, hey, there's a wreck ahead. The GPS can let me know the, the road is closed ahead. So I'm going to recommend a turn. Somebody shout, turn. I'm going to recommend a turn so that uh, you can avoid trouble ahead or so that you can get where you're headed faster. This is going to start clicking for somebody. We sometimes think that we only need a turn if we're going in a wrong direction. But I don't mind also looking for a turn if the turn is going to help me get where I'm going a little bit faster. It's here in our text that the prophet Jeremiah is talking to the people about their return from exile. He's talking about how God is going to turn their situation around. In verse 11, it says, the Lord will free Jacob. It says, the Lord will rescue his people from the people who are stronger than them. So what I was looking at this, I said, Lord, what is this saying to us today? And it's letting us know that there will be times where we're going to need the Lord to rescue us. Has anyone ever been in a situation where you felt bound up in some stuff and you realize only God can rescue me from this situation? Maybe you felt spiritually like you were in a place where you were stuck or even emotionally you felt like you were in a pit that you could not escape out of or maybe you felt like you were in the trap of an enemy that had overtaken you in your mind. Anybody ever felt like there's something that's just plaguing my mind right now? There's something that's got my spirit feeling heavy here's the thing sometimes we have been brought under uh, 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 the oppression of an enemy that in the moment seems stronger than us but how many know that the enemy may seem stronger in any given moment but my bible says that greater is he that's within me than he that is within the world and so The Lord, notice the Lord does not say that these things won't happen. He doesn't say that we won't have seasons that feel like this. As I preached last week, he didn't say that we won't experience nights of darkness, but he promised that we won't have to walk in them. In other words, you're not going to be in your night season long where you have to start walking and making stuff happen. But he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall never walk in darkness. Let me stick to this week's text. Uh, And so the Lord does not say that these things won't happen to us. He doesn't say that we won't ever need a change of direction, but he says the Lord will free Jacob. Uh, The Lord will free Jacob. I like how King James says it when he says, for the Lord has redeemed, somebody shout redeemed, redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than him. The Lord will redeem. Redeemed from what, you might ask? Jeremiah here specifically is talking about God literally rescuing or redeeming Israel from their oppressors. He was referencing when God would redeem Israel from the hands uh, of the Assyrians, from the Babylonians, and he's uh, even pointing back when God redeemed them from the hands of the Egyptians. And that's all well and good, but what does that mean for you and I today? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, because God's dealings with Israel were not just for that period. Uh, It was not just his way of setting aside a people and bringing uh, a lineage through which he would come into the world. Yes, that is the purpose of Israel, but I believe he is showing us what we need to understand today. He's showing us how we can govern ourselves in this life. But yes, he helped to redeem them out of their captivity. You see, we are very easily led ourselves into captivity. I'm going to just teach here for a minute. We easily walk and wander into captivity ourselves. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and the reason is it's not because you're so bad. It's not because you're any different than anyone else, but it's because of the sin that is in our own hearts and because of our fleshly desires. I mentioned to you a few months ago, and Elder White often, often references uh, what, I'm, what I said, but I, I told you during our outdoor service that our flesh is on a crash course with death. I want to say that again. Some of y'all missed it. Uh, our flesh is on a crash course with death. From the moment you're born, your body is slowly, slowly excuse me, dying and is, in fact, in a race Towards death. This is why the things that are most detrimental to our bodies or to our health are oftentimes the things that feel the best to us. Have you ever wondered why the things that are the worst for us often are the things that feel the best? They're often the things that we want the most. Paul said, when I would do good, evil is always all around me. No matter the good that I would do, I'm always in a battle. My flesh is always warring against me, right? Jesus even said what the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we're in this, this battle here. That's why when you're upset, it sometimes feels good to lash out, right? Anybody ever been there? I just I just got to get this off my chest. I just got to give them a piece of my, of, of, of my mind. Well, like my father used to say, you better keep the little piece of mind that you got because we can't afford to be giving it away. But it feels good to lash out and act on that anger our flesh Uh, wants to keep us in bondage. It wants to keep us bound to the things and to the the desires of this world. But we have to make up in our mind that I'm not going to be a slave any longer. And I'm not just talking about slaves to big things. I know when I I say that, y'all instantly think, well, I'm not a slavery to nothing. I'm not bound up by nothing because we instantly, when we think of bondage to our flesh, we immediately think of the stuff that don't pertain to us. Isn't it amazing how when we start thinking about bondage and uh, spiritual growth and things we need to grow out of and things we need to mature out of, we instantly start thinking about stuff that we ain't tied up in. It's amazing how our minds do that. We start thinking maybe about uh, being in bondage to things such as alcohol. And many of us can say, well, I don't struggle with that. That's not a problem for me. Uh, we start thinking about being in bondage to things such as filthy communication or filthy language. You say, well, I don't cuss no more that much. Uh, but we we're not thinking about the things that pertain specifically to us. We may think of being in bondage to things only as things such as fornication or lust or pornography or uh, adultery. We may think of being in bondage in terms of the big things. We may think of ourselves or of other people being in bondage to things like their ego or to their past, right? Uh, Many times we're in bondage to our past. Uh I hear people all the time say, well, I can't do that. I've never been able to do that. I've always been this way. Listen, you're in bondage to your past, and it's time to get free from the things that are behind. And as Paul said, I press towards the mark. I press towards. I'm not looking backwards at the things in my past, but sometimes you just got to do like the old movie said, and you just got to let it go. You just got to let it go and move towards the things that God has for you. Sometimes even we can find ourselves in bondage to things such as fear sometimes we can be in bondage to things such as unbelief you can be in bondage even to things we don't really think of such as gluttony or such as laziness some of us eat too much some of us sit on the couch too much some of us sit on the couch when we should be at midweek service uh-oh I'll rustle a few feathers this morning not talking to you unless I'm talking to you thank you bishop But the truth of the matter is no matter what our bondage is to, there is only one man who can deliver us from the bondage. And I don't know if you know about him, but his name is Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus has the power to deliver us from anything. Somebody shout anything. Anything that we find ourselves bound up in. Let me give you a few points here. Point number one this morning, periods of grief, stagnation, or even instability can be considered mourning. You see, when we think of mourning, we only typically think of grief or sorrow or pain or something that hurts. But I'm here to tell you that we can actually apply the definition of mourning to other things. We can apply the definition of mourning even when you're in a place of just sadness, even when you're in a place of just complacency, even when you're in a place of just stagnation or ups and down, instability, technically you still have the same attributes as someone who is in mourning. Let me break it down a little bit. Just because uh, uh, the word mourning typically indicates crying or grief, the word mourning that was translated in the Greek this way actually meant sorrow or grief. Grief, right? Grief or sorrow. And I broke it. Down. I said, okay, what does sorrow mean? Sorrow means anything that's not lined up with full purpose. You can be in sorrow and not always be sad. You can be in sorrow just because you're in a sorry position. Maybe you're not where God's called you to be. Maybe you're not where you want to be. Guess what? You're in a period of sorrow. And so why am I sharing that with you this morning? Because when the scripture says, I will turn your mourning into joy, I don't want you to just think, well, that don't apply to me because I'm not grieving anything, but he'll take your sorrow. He'll take the things that are broken in your life. He'll take the things that are stagnant in your life. And the Bible says he'll turn them into joy. Is there anybody here that could use a little bit of joy this morning? Yes, yes. Being in a place of stagnation or feeling like you're not moving towards anything meaningful in your life can also feel or produce the same feelings as. Uh, But the important thing to remember here is that while we may be on a path of sorrow or on a path of grief, while you may find yourself on a path of stagnation or instability or just downright not feeling good, anybody ever just don't feel good? You don't really know what's going on, but you just don't feel good in your body. You don't feel good in your spirit. Emotionally, you feel tied down, and so you're also in that period here of mourning. But no matter what the situation is, what it looks like for you, The promise here is clear, that God said, I will turn their mourning. I wish I had some help this morning. I'll turn your mourning into joy. There's something about this promise and the promise of a loving father that should make us so excited and happy that we serve a God like this. We don't serve a God that's just here to condemn us. In fact, my father always said he's a God that's sitting on the seat of mercy right now. And while he's there on the seat of mercy, we ought to get everything we can and say, God, everything that I need in this season, God, I know I'm not worthy of it, but because of your grace and because of your mercy, I know everything is going to be all right. Let me keep moving here. Many times we look at God as a God of punishment and just simply as a God of wrath. And uh, here's the reason we don't fully understand him. You see, so many people understand God from one end of the spectrum or the other. We have your people who only talk about God in the sense of hell, fire, and brimstone. Some of y'all grew up in a church that only talked about God in as it relates to you're going to hell if you don't please this God. You only talk about him from the perspective of his wrath and of his judgment. And then you have the other people on the other side of the spectrum that only talk about God as just a loving, just a buddy, just a good friend, just somebody who's so nice and uh, he's just tolerate whatever whatever you bring to old nice jesus he'll accept it everything's okay with jesus and we only focus on him in his element as being a god of love but how many know the answer is really somewhere in the middle yes he's a god of love yes he's a god of wrath and judgment but he's also my friend and he's also good to me and he also loves me and he also holds me accountable yeah, we don't like to talk about God as a God that will hold us accountable. I One of my favorite attributes about God is that he, not, I, I love the fact that he's love. I love the fact that he's my savior. I love all of those things. I love that he's my provider. But one of the things that fascinates me the most, I love the fact that God is just. He is just just what does it mean this is not even in my notes what does it mean that God is just it means that he's going to do the right thing by himself according to himself every single time he's a bad man he's the only one that could say I swear by myself if you've never if you didn't listen to the throwback third uh, throwback Tuesday that we put out a few weeks ago my father preached a message he said I swear I'll bless you did anybody see that anybody listen to that anybody remember that message from 1990 he said I swear I'll bless you he's the only one that can swear by himself and his swear actually be good he says I swear I bless you I'll be with you I'll never leave you I'll comfort you in times of storm. I'll be everything that you need. But right now, you see, we struggle understanding God fully because right now the Bible says we see through a glass darkly. What does that mean? It means we can't fully understand God. Don't feel bad because you don't always understand God. Don't feel bad because uh, feel bad because God doesn't always make sense to you. Because here's the thing. While we're in this human flesh, we're going to understand in part. We're going to understand just through a glass darkly, but how many are excited about the fact that one day we'll no longer just see in part? One day we'll no longer just know in part, but the whole song says when I see Jesus... Amen. How many remember that song? All my trials will be over when I see Jesus. You see, when we see him, we'll understand better who he is. We'll understand better by and by, I hear the song say. And so we've got to understand all we have to do is stay the course. Uh, Somebody say stay the course. What do I mean by stay the course? I mean to continue to stay on the path that is before you and allow God to order your steps along the way. Just like my GPS will advise me on if the road I'm heading down is a bad road. Guess what? God is better than any GPS system you could have on your car, but he's the GPS of your spirit. And if you just tune into him, uh-oh, if you just access what he's telling you, I promise you, he'll lead you through the storm. He'll lead you through the trouble. He'll say, uh-oh, there's a pothole right there. You better not talk to that person. Uh, he'll say, hey, you better get your lazy behind up and get in my word because there's some things that the enemy's going to throw your way today and i'm glad that i serve a god that operates like my gps but he's better than anything i could ever type into my phone he's better than anything i could ever download he is the god of all creation and he is <laughs> he is my great friend he is my gps if you will when he when he says to us that I've got you, that all you've got to do is tap in. Somebody say tap in. How do you tap into God? You open up the communication lines. Some of us don't talk to God like we should. I'm guilty. I don't talk to him as much as I should. But the Bible says to pray without ceasing, meaning we should constantly, it doesn't mean I'm walking around 24-7 and my mouth's moving, I'm constantly just, thank you Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can't do that. It's not realistic. But I'm constantly in a position or a posture of prayer. I'm always in communication with my father and as long as you do that I promise you every turn that you need to make in your life it will become evident if you follow him let me keep moving I don't want to put y'all to sleep point number two God promises somebody say promises God promises a turn one of the most amazing attributes about God is that he is a keeper of his word If you don't remember nothing else about God, if you don't cherish anything else about God, hopefully you do. But if you don't, and the only thing you can hold on to is one thing that I would say this is the thing to hold on to. God keeps his word. He keeps his word. Keeps his word. There's nothing that he's ever said to you. There's nothing he's ever said about you that will not come to pass. Uh, our problem is that we don't always take him at his word. Sometimes we hear his word and uh, we, we kind of take it in a general sense. Uh, uh, we may believe that his word is true, uh, but believing something and applying something are not the same thing. I'm going to say that again. Uh, believing something and applying something that said something is not the same thing. I can believe all I want that in 2024, I'm going to get in shape. I can believe all I want in 2024. I'm going to lose the weight that I want to lose. But if I don't apply a workout regimen, if I don't apply a change in my eating habits, then guess what? I'll never reach the goal that I said I believe. You see, we can believe all day, but it's in the application. If I believe that God knows what's best for me, but I don't rest in his plan and in what he allows, then I've passed the belief Part of the equation that's great, but I failed the application. But the promise of God here is clear, and He says, I will turn the promise is clear. I will turn their mourning to joy. Guess what? When God says, I will, you can take it to the bank. He's going to do it, He's going to turn our mourning into joy. He says, I will comfort them and I will make them rejoice rather than sorrow. How can I apply this to my life? Well, I can take comfort in the fact that the turn is coming. Yes, part of making a turn when driving requires some subtle changes sometimes in the direction that I'm headed. Yes, I understand that God is the one that's going to do it. Did not he say, I will turn their morning. He said he's going to do it. I understand that his word promises that he'll do it. But let me break it down a little bit. When you're in a car, guess what? The car literally is what makes the turn you didn't make the turn the car is what actually turns and because you're in the car you turn right along with it but in order for that car to do what it's going to do to make the turn you've got to get in position you've got to do your part to help this turn happen too many times we simply sit back and we just wait on God to perform a miracle when really all it would take is an effort. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all missed it. Too many times we sit back and rely on God to perform a miracle when all that situation required was an effort. Uh, Many times we sit back and, and, and we wait on God to do things that he's like, I've given you the power over that thing. I've given you the instruction on what you need to do to make that happen notice here pastor channels talked about the miraculous catch of fish notice peter and his disciples could have sat there and said well jesus said we was going to have a great catch how come ain't no fish in our boat but instead they had to go out and do what he said do and they had to launch out into the deep and cast their nets guess what there's something that you have to do I know sometimes we preach about a God who's just going to work it out. If you jump and ju- turn around three times or you run around this place or, or you put $1,000 in the offering, God's going to do it. Guess what? That's not how it works. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. And I'm sorry if you've fallen for that before, but God does not just just make a promise and then it just happens. He's not a genie in a bottle. Now, let me, I don't want to mess with y'all's theology too much. Yes, there are times when we have to rely on the supernatural. There are times where the only thing that can change this situation is a miracle. I don't want to confuse you this morning. I'm not saying there's not times where our hands are tied and there's nothing we can do. There are some situations that only God himself can perform have you ever been in a situation where you're like if God don't do it it ain't gonna happen I've been there before but sometimes we just default to that position and when we've skipped everything he's told us to do we've skipped every word that a preacher told us to do that was truly from God let me add that in we skip over all the things we should have done and we just say God what am I going to do I need a supernatural miracle I'm here to encourage somebody that sometimes you've got to get up off the canvas and you've got to get in position. Somebody say get in position. Get in position. You see, we've got to make sure that we are in position to make the turn uh, when god gives us an instruction on what to do but we lack the effort and the discipline to make it happen the issue is an issue of our faith uh, it always irks me and i understand cuz i've been there but when people say well i know god can do it i got the faith for it but and then they have a but and the but negates everything that they've just said you can say you have faith for something but if your actions don't show it then that faith is dead the Bi- I, I didn't write it the bible says faith without works is uh-huh. See, that's my reference right there. And so we've got to understand that uh, you, you have to move into position just because the guide or the GPS says, hey, there's a turn coming. Guess what? My car, unless I got one of them smart cars or uh, uh, whatever, the car's not going to make the turn for me. Uh-huh. The, there's some work I've got to do in the process. And here the problem is that our faith is not always where it should be. You see, faith is not just some abstract concept that we talk about. Faith actually looks like something. Faith actually sounds like something. Faith actually feels like something. You can't just say you have faith and nothing else follows it. But faith moves us. Here, here it is right here. Faith moves us into the place where we actually do. Do something that's going to help that thing that we have faith for come about that's a lot of words I'm gonna say it again uh, there are uh, the faith actually this is what faith does let me slow down this is what faith does faith allows you to move into the actions that are required to bring about the thing that you have faith for Okay? Example? Alright, that always helps. The woman with the issue of blood had faith that if she touched the hem of his garment, she'd be made whole. Right? Y'all know the story. But just that thought alone was not enough for her to be made whole. She had to get herself together, walk out the doors of her house, press her way through the crowd. And guess what? We sometimes gloss over the fact that she had to press. She had to press through the crowd. That press, we don't know how long it took. It could have took days. It could have taken hours. We have no idea. But the fact that she pressed through it, that sounds like work to me. But sometimes we don't always want to do the work. We just want the supernatural. We just want God to do it right now. trying to help somebody, but we've got to say, God, you show me what I need to do. I have the faith for the result. You show me what it takes. And God, I promise I'll do it. Uh, There was a young man that came to me a few months ago and he said, I I need a miracle. I need a financial breakthrough. And I know he probably expected me to say, okay, well, I'm gonna pray. God, send a miracle, send a check in the mail. He probably thought I might say, well, if you give God praise and dance right now, God's going to pay those bills. He's going to do the financial miracle. I didn't say any of that. But God gave me this word. He said, "I want you to tell the young man that his prayer should be that I give him direction." And I said, real quick in my spirit, I said, "That ain't what he want to hear, and that's not what I want to say. That don't sound very attractive. That don't sound very anointed. I want to lay hands and say, God for, perform a miracle in this young man's life." But I didn't do that. I just followed what the Lord said and said, "Hey." My prayer is that you will have the heart to go to God and say, God, show me the steps of what I need to do, and I'll do it. And that's what I told the young man. And guess what? The next time I talked to the young man, he had a new job and a career he never even was qualified for. I don't know what he did. I don't know what the process was. All I know is God is requiring our action. Somebody say action. And so in the text, when we're talking about driving, we're talking about making a turn. You can know that there's a turn that's about to come, but guess what? You can't just hope that the turn will happen itself. You have to make some changes. First, you have to realize that a turn is on the way. And next, you've got to prepare yourself for the move that'll make that that's going to make the turn possible. When you're driving, you can't just all of a sudden see, oh, I'm supposed to turn here and just turn. You've got to prepare. Somebody I say prepare you've got to first. What what, what do you have to do? Uh, But when when the car is ready to turn, when you're ready to make a turn, you have to stop traveling in the exact direction you're going and make a subtle change. Sometimes the breakthrough, the destination that you're trying to reach, you can't get there because you haven't made the subtle change. Sometimes it's not a major thing that has to change in your life. Maybe it's just something subtle. Is there anybody who's realized that a subtle change, just sometimes the littlest change that you can make in a process makes all the difference makes all the difference and so you have to slightly switch the trajectory of where you're going and you've got to get into the turn lane Uh you're about to make a turn you've got to get into the turning lane and it's just a very simple change of course maybe in your life right now there's some things that you're doing that may seem right to you but maybe you just need a little subtle change maybe you just need to move a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right to get into the turning lane and maybe there's some things that you're not doing right now that if you just start doing just a subtle change it's going to make everything a lot different and i can't tell you what those changes are for you individually. Only you know what those are. And if you don't know, just ask the Lord, Lord, what are the subtle changes that I need to make so that I can get in the turning lane? Because I know that my turn is on the way. And here's the thing now, once you get into the turning lane, you can feel the turn that's coming. You've got to start making some other adjustments. Yes, I'm in the turn lane, but when I'm in the turn lane, I can't operate like I was in the other lane. Now that I'm in the turning lane, some things have to change. I can't still go 70 now that I'm in the turning lane. I've got to slow down a little bit and I've got to prepare myself for the turn that's coming. And then even once you're in the turning lane, the turn still ain't happened yet. You're in the turning lane, but there's still something else you've got to do. What do you got to do, pastor? Well, now that you're in the turning lane, next you have to put on your turning signal. Uh, which is an indication of what you intend to do. Uh, By turning on that signal you make a declaration that I'm about to turn and I'm about to change my course. This will make sense to somebody in a minute. You've got to get yourself to the place where you start letting those around you, when you start letting the enemy know, when you even start reminding and encouraging yourself uh, that I'm in the turn lane and I'm putting on my signal. Uh, A turn is about to happen. And I'm just letting you know that you better get ready because my turn is about to happen. Those that have been watching and seeing this path that I'm on, those who have just been being nosy trying to see what was going to come of me, guess what? Here's my turn signal because my turn is about to come. My change is about to happen. Every time you're in one of those battles in your life and you still press your way to get to the house of of the Lord guess what that's your turn signal every time you open up your mouth and you give God a praise even when you don't feel good in your body guess what that's your turn signal even when you come and someone says well how are you dealing with that and you say well I don't really know what's going to happen but I know God's going to do something guess what that's your turn signal and you're letting everybody know that my turn is coming Look at your neighbor and say, my turn is coming. And you can have a different type of confidence once you know the turn is coming. Somebody just got it right there. Because now that you're in the turn lane, now that you've got the turn signal on, you may not have made the transition yet, but you're already in the turn. Somebody say, I'm in the turn. Is there anybody here who's glad that you're in the turn? It hasn't happened yet, but I can feel it, and I'm in the turn. I can feel the change of direction coming. I've been traveling down this road so long. Maybe I've been on this trajectory for a number of years or a number of months. Maybe I've been stuck here for a long time, but now I'm in the turn. Now I'm on my way to changing my course. I've been stuck here in this place of brokenness, and I've been stuck here in this place of unforgiveness, but now I'm in the turn. I've been on this course, headed in the wrong direction for too long now. I've spiritually maybe grown weak. How many have times when you feel weak in your spirit how many times do you feel weak in your body? And I've sometimes felt like I've lost my way. But now I'm in the turn. I've been held up and bound up for so long in my sin. Some of you have been stuck in places of oppression. And it might not be one of those big sins. Maybe you're stuck in a place of fear. Maybe you're stuck in a place of doubt. Maybe you're stuck in a place of laziness. Maybe you're stuck in a place of uncommitments and you won't fully dive in to the things that God's called you to. But now you can stand up and say, I'm in the turn. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm already in the turning lane. I've already got my signal on. And now I'm in the turn. I didn't know how I was going to make it. But now I'm in the turn. My financial situation has kept me in a dark place. Anybody ever been there? Where you don't know how ends are going to meet. But now I'm in the turn. I don't know what the doctor... Uh, thinks is going to come of me. Uh, He says all these things about my diagnosis. uh, And in my body, I don't always feel good. Uh, Maybe my mind is not as sharp uh, as it used to be. Uh, But guess what? Uh, I'm in the turn. uh, Because the turn is about to happen. Uh, You've got to declare over your life, uh, even when you don't feel like it, uh, that I'm in the turn. I'm signifying to everything that's around me I'm reminding my own self that now I'm in the turn and the next thing you'll know once you declare that you're in the turn, you'll start to see all of a sudden that mourning starts to turn into joy, that sorrow starts to turn into gladness and now you see the joy of the Lord what kind of joy are you talking about? I'm not talking about that joy that just makes you dance I'm not talking about that joy that just makes you feel good I'm not talking about that joy that just makes you have a little smile on your face but I'm talking about that joy uh, that is joy unspeakable uh, and full of glory uh, because in his presence uh, is the glory, excuse me uh, in his presence uh, is the fullness, thank you Jesus uh, of joy uh, and at his right hands are pleasures forevermore uh, and now the road uh, that I was on uh, does not look so scary uh, because now I'm in the turn, Uh, I couldn't see my destination while I was on this road but now that I'm in the turn I can see where I'm headed I can see what God has for me I can see where God is trying to take me cause now I'm in the turn the turn is for your making the turn is for your building the turn is for your testimony and the turn will be that thing that takes you from where you are now to the place that God has for you is there anybody in here Uh, that's happy about the turn uh, that's coming in your life Uh, you want to open up your mouth uh, and give God a praise praise give him a praise give him a praise for the turn that's coming the turn that's going to change everything the turn the turn it's in the turn it's in the turn what you've been praying for is in the turn what you've been struggling with is in the turn the promise thank you Jesus the promise of God is I will turn that's enough just to shout right there I will turn Woo! It doesn't matter how comfortable you got there. The promise is, I will turn. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us need to just rest in the fact that the turn is coming. Yeah, yeah. We get so worked up and so worried about what we see around us that we forget that his promise said, I will turn that morning into joy. I don't know why God has me here on this this theme over these last couple of months. Yes, I do. I do know why. But there's somebody who is struggling in a place where you don't see the destination. God, why am I still here? Why am I still here? Here's the thing. The process that you're in right now is preparing you for the turn. (laughs) Woo! The process you're in right now is preparing you for the turn. You see, guess what? You can't handle the turn right now. You're moving too fast. Uh-oh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're moving too fast. See, here, here's the problem. When you're driving down the street and there's a turn that you're supposed to take, if you're moving too fast, you're too preoccupied in what you're doing, you'll miss your turn. Or you try to do something drastic and try to quickly just take make the turn yourself, and guess what? That also ends in disaster. Some of us are, are moving so fast, focused on what we got going on, that God's not able to bring the turn in your life because you're doing things your way. You're moving too fast on your own pace, that the turn is not evident to you, and you think there's no turn coming, I'm just staying here. Have you ever been daydreaming and driving, and you just get so lost just driving, you miss all your turns, because you're just so focused on what you're thinking about, you just keep going and you miss the turn. Guess what, you can just turn around and, and, and go back. You can afford to miss your turn when you're driving, but you cannot afford to miss the turn that God wants to bring in your life. Can't afford to miss it. And here's the thing. I don't want to confuse anybody. And I'm doing this on purpose. Notice here I'm talking about what God promises, which is he will turn. Everybody say that. Say "He he will turn. He will turn it. That's what he promised. I can't argue with that. He promised that. But also what I know is that, yes, he will turn it but our faith has to rise to the occasion to meet what he wants to do in our lives. I'm not talking about out of both sides of my mouth, I'm not crazy, I know what I'm talking about. But understand, I'm trying to get you to see that you have to first focus on the promise because all the willpower in the world is not going to allow you to make the changes you need to make, it's not going to happen. But how can we get to the place where our decisions and our actions and our faith line up with what God is trying to do? We have to know his word. This is why I'm stressing that God said I will turn, but I'm also uh, 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 comparing that and paralleling that to what you have to do in the process. I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, go back and listen to it on Spotify this week and replay it and listen to it again. You have to rest in the promise that God will perform it right? But God does not do things against our will. If you're not interested in the turn, see, sometimes we get so comfortable in the season that we're in that God can't bring about the turn because we're not willing to go. I'll say that again. My voice went out. Y'all probably missed it. Sometimes we get so comfortable in the season that we're in that when God brings the turn, we're not willing to go. Or we don't have the belief to go. So guess what? God's not going to drag us from season to season. He's just going to be there and say, listen, here's a turn ahead that I've prepared for you. I'm coming to turn your morning into joy. Are you ready? Sometimes we're not ready. We just stay there because it feels good. It feels comfortable. I don't got used to it. Sometimes we get used to the pity that comes from certain seasons that we're in. Sometimes we begin to use our seasons we're in as excuses. Uh Uh-oh. Sometimes it's comfortable to stay in a dark season or a bad season or a slow season or a lonely season because we can then always have a built-in excuse for why we're not where we should be. Let me quit because that's a whole nother message. But God wants us to know this morning that he has a turn prepared for all of us. The season you're in is not without help. He has not left you alone. He has not left you to figure it out for yourself. He's given you everything you need, everything you need in his word, through a preacher, through prayer. He's given us everything we need. And so you're not by yourself in this season, but he's saying, I will do this. I will do it. All I need you to do, <laughs> all I need you to do is actually prepare and expect. Here's the word. Prepare. Thank you, Lord. Prepare. Everybody say prepare and expect the turn. Yeah. See, God, he promises it, but you have to prepare yourself for it, and you've got to expect it. Expect it, and that's when you'll see the miracle happen. Put your hands together and give God a praise. Not for me, for the word that he sent to us, the turn. The turn. There's been times in my life where all I could do was rest in the fact that I knew God was going to turn it around. I'm talking about in a lot of situations. I've been in so many, I, I, I've been in dark places spiritually in my life where it's like, God, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this. God, I need you to turn this around. And guess what? He gives me the instructions on what to do. He says, okay, I got you. I promise to do it. Here's what I need you to do. There's times financially where I've been in a bind. And I'm like, God, I need you to turn this around. And guess what? He told me exactly what to do. And he performed it. It's all in the turn. Everything you need is in the turn. Don't get comfortable on the path you're on. There's always a turn ahead. And I'm going to close with this. Sometimes we think of the need for a turn simply because that means we're on a a bad path. I said this earlier, but I want to make sure to say it now. A turn is not just necessary because you're on a bad path. Everybody with me? A turn, because sometimes we can dismiss what I'm saying because it's like, oh, well, that's a good, that's a nice message for somebody who's on a bad path. Well, I'm in a great place. I feel good in my spirit, my body, my mind, my wealth, my health. Everything feels good. So good message, but I'll check back in next week. But we, we think that it's only for people on a bad path or in a bad place. But here's the beauty of the God that we serve. He's not just interested in getting us on a good path, but he has a destination that he wants to get us to. Therefore, you could be on the right path. And still, there's a turn that he makes available because he's got a better route for you. Uh-huh. He's got a, he's got a better route for you. So the turn is not just for those who need to get off that course because it's about to kill him. The turn is also for those who just need, who God is giving an opportunity for a better route. Sometimes I'm in a season where I need a turn off of a bad path. Sometimes I'm in a season where I just need a turn into my next. And that's where, no matter where you are, which one you are in, just trust in the fact that the promise is there is a turn that's coming. The turn is available. Will you be ready to make the turn? When he shows up, It says, I'm here to turn this morning into joy. Will you be ready? And will you be expecting the turn? Or will he find that you're not even paying attention? You're so lost in where you are that you miss the turn. Don't miss the turn. Somebody say, don't miss the turn. Make it personal. Say, I can't afford. Come on, everybody say it. I can't afford to miss the turn. God bless you. It is altar call. If you have a desire for prayer, come now. Let the ministers pray with you. If you say, Lord, I need some help. Evangelist, stay here for me. I need some help. I need some help. Lord, help me to see the turn. Help me to expect the turn. Won't you? Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.